0: We have officially passed the 100 subscriber mark to our newsletter. That's so cool. Not awesome? We like It's so awesome.
1: Totally it, it, organic. It is cuz we didn't we didn't promote it. We didn't do any I mean we did it. promote
0: it. We put it promoted on Twitter. We, we didn't do any ads. We didn't like do any paid media for it. No. We didn't I hire know, anyone but, to promote it.
1: I mean it's not like we pushed it super hard and like we only had one newsletter go out. I think it was, you know, a good first pass at our first one. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we get more out of it. People start sharing what we talk about and bring value to it. But, you know, it's a huge milestone. What's our next one? Like, honestly, what's the next milestone?
0: Well, let me tell you, the newsletter that or the, the article in the newsletter that went out had 292 views. Pretty cool and it was received by eighty nine recipients, which is pretty awesome. That's and awesome. And that's and that's funny because only eighty nine people are subscribed to it, or more than eighty nine now, hundred and three. Mm-hmm. But the stats on it says uh, that's ninety two, which means that it came from other sources, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, whatever, whatever. So, so cool. I'm I just gotta say like like congrats. Like <laughs> we did we that's, did it, that's right? Cool. <laughs> we kind and of started
1: that. Hey Designer picked it up, which is pretty cool mm-hmm. too. Yep. Was right? featured. Yep. So hopefully so, we can start getting picked up and getting cross promotion on this. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going we have some good topics that we're going to talk about. I mean interesting. Some are going to be provocative obviously, right? Mm-hmm. We want to challenge status quo. Others are going to be educational, some are going to be like our point of view. But I think it's it, it's going to go along with the podcast we're doing. We're literally doing this for fun. We want to have fun with this and we want to share our own unique experiences along the way. Because I think we have a lot to offer. We've done a lot. We've seen a lot. So I think it's a matter of bringing our whole self to the table and being like as transparent as we can.
0: Yeah. And I think it's it's funny you said that because other people also have newsletters that recommend us. And spe- one that actually does recommend us the most so far is Ravi's system design newsletter, which I think is great because it kind no of ties into our topic of the day. But yeah, what? So shout out to Ravi. So he sent over a bunch of people just from his newsletter. They signed up for his, they kind of got so ours. Cool. So that was really cool. Thanks Ravi.
1: Thank you. Big props to you, man.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll send you a nice thank you note or something soon. <laughs> but speaking of which, his is about designing systems. Our system design. And we want to talk a little bit about today, design systems.
1: Yeah, I think it was it was like we've we chatted a lot about things and you and I had obviously chances to work in big design systems. Let's talk small about that. Design let's, let's, system.
0: So talk, talk about your background in design systems first before we get into it.
1: Yeah I was working before IBM. I was working at well what used to be a startup but was acquired by like Warner Media for like 100 mil. So it was like a big success, success story. But we were building apps and software with like and I was dabbling with what design systems were right. It was like Design systems were starting, people were starting to create components, repetitive elements. And then when I got to IBM, they were starting to introduce carbon. Like they had tried to make
0: many Car- different. Carbon being what?
1: Carbon design system. I'll get to it. Mm-hmm. And they were starting to get trying to align the company and be IBM being like it has like 360,000 employees or something trying to get them to align on this unique vision, style, aesthetic, and whatnot. It always failed. I was told at one point it's because they didn't have the right people to push it and the right vision behind it. And then when I came along, not that I set, I set everything straight, but it's just while I was there, they were starting to implement the carbon design system. And one thing I think that really played a big value in this, and that there's two, two points, I would say, or two main drivers in all this. I mean, Micah Bink, had an amazing vision. What he did with the design language was fantastic, right? I think he really pushed the design language, the typeface, the colors, how everything worked together very solidly. And then there was also Aaron who pushed really hard from an executive level to sell it across and sell the vision of design. Obviously it was us pushing it bottom up across the board and doing the work that we did. But that was my first pass at a real big ass design system. And I've played with a lot of other design systems within, you know, the design field and whatnot. I still think IBM is one of the strongest design systems mm-hmm. for what it does. I mean, it's, it's con- I mean, there's, there's pros and cons, don't get me wrong, but I mean, for enterprise level, I still think it's very strong and solid and it's consistent. You can definitely identify an IBM product now by looking at it, mm-hmm. right? The language is that strong. Uh, like, we'll talk about later about like pros and cons of yeah. systems, but if we just stick to the facts, this is strong. I mean, that, and that was like, that was my first take on it. What about you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I had, I, it's kind of funny. I started out on a team that was using a different design system. So, IBM, yeah. for those who don't know, many years ago had this initiative to kind of push design as a, as a key element, key differentiator across all business units. And uh, that was, I think, Jenny Rometty's big push. Yeah. And I think well, probably the best thing she's done for the company because it actually set the company eventually into revenue. So, or, yeah. you know, profiting. And that's yeah. amazing. And so she handed off the reins to yeah. Arvind, right? And I think that now it's on a good trajectory, but it became essential, design became essential as the, the key differentiator and mm-hmm. the element that actually shifted the the, the the focus onto users and consider them more in the process of building these products for scale to make money. So I think that was a big success. But when I was actually in this kind of mess, I kind of joined right when a team was kind of flung apart, they, they didn't really have a grip on the design system at all, or a design system. Every unit had their own design system, and then yep. every team had their own design system, and then every squad in that had their own design system. And they were using things like spec sheets, where basically they had a, like a, a, a page of all the different key elements, like a button, a drop-down, yep. whatever, but they're all kind of on the same page with no guidance, no written guidance about how do you use this, when should you use this? It was just there. That's how most of the teams were kind of behaving at that time. Some had more developed stuff and there was a couple of design systems that were challenging carbon as as the rivals for like what should be the final Mm -hmm. design system for ibm carbon ended up having the most in it and and being used the most for some of the products so they i guess went up with that eventually as the strategy which was a great strategy because it 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 did work out in the end but we were part of a different design system Mm -hmm. and that design system was a mess and I had to help with Genshi Baird, one of one of my dear friends, kind of clean up a little bit about that, and 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 kind of use that to help that team and that product and that part of the company mm-hmm. succeed. Now, right after we launched the the product with with that design system we fixed up, I had the opportunity cross referencing all the different teams to get the go ahead to create a sketch kit that would enable all of our teams to use the same components within the same kind of organization. So within Analytics Platform, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I went out of my way to create a Sketch Component Library. And it was the very first widely used Sketch Component Library at IBM. And that ended up actually leading me to working directly with Carbon to to help guide them a little bit on how should they structure the future of Carbon's design systems in Sketch, which then eventually converted to Figma and Sketch and to all other tools, Adobe, whatever. So it's funny that I actually helped shape the design system in in the structural way in in the the actual day-to-day life of designers and then kind of saw it grow after that obviously I didn't have that much to do with the, you know the, the the strategy overall but you know you and I actually ended up collaborating on many different pieces of this design system and you know I don't think it's necessary to get into every single detail about that but why don't we kind of now break down a little bit more about you know what is a design system why is it important?
1: Yeah, I think it, it's it's definitely not a Figma component lever.
0: Yeah, that it is not. What, so what, what is what is it not? Let's start with that. What was it not?
1: It's not a. Too many people think that once it's in Figma, oh, that's a design system. No, that's like a set of components. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's basically what it is. It's it's not the ceiling because I find too many people use a design system as like oh, that, I can't do more than that. I drop it in I can't like I'm not I can't that's where it stops. I think you can continuously push a design system because it evolves.
0: Or so or they also they also say oh somebody else already did that. I I can't modify it because it's already there.
1: You could, yeah. Like there's a lot of groundbreaking things that people mm-hmm. stop. So it's it's definitely not that Figma library thing. It's, you know, I think it's it's harder to talk about what it is not than cuz you, you you kind of see it when you work, right? People all of a sudden like grab it and they won't contribute anything back. Like they modified it, but they don't contribute it back. So it just starts to diverge. Frature. And it it becomes like this useless thing at the end because nobody's using it. So it, it's like, it's not just a design tool. It's not just a marketing tool. It's not just, you know, a coded element. It's this whole ecosystem that should live together, right? It's it, my own... My humble opinion is it starts from the design language, which kind of trickles down and creates like this mm-hmm. design system, which then goes into the components. Well, so, and
0: What's your definition for design? I have a def- definition that's like a work progress, whatever. But what is your definition then of, of a design system since this is the design system episode?
1: Definition. Phew. I didn't come up with a definition. Okay,
0: so then I'll, I'll say what I think. So I, I think you, you nailed it when you said the word ecosystem. Yeah. I think it's an ecosystem of solutions that are ever evolving, address needs of users and interactions to the technology that they're using and stakeholders that are building the technology.
1: It is. And it's like, it's a bit further than just reusing. I I said it was a work in progress. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, yeah,
0: like, like it starts out broad, right? So then. More of the design systems that we focus on are digital. Yeah. Right? So they're they're involving UI elements, so elements on the computer, elements on, on the phone mm-hmm. that are like buttons and and like I said, search inputs and and drop downs and text fields mm-hmm. and and radio buttons. These are all kind of pieces of a design system. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a design system is more than just these pieces, it's the written guidance that's behind this these these it elements. Is. It's it's the reasoning, it's it's the back and forth conversations. It's it's the documentation that brings to light how something should exist and how it could be evolved in the future.
1: Yeah, it's like the tone of voice. You know, like because a lot of people think that once you have like a component definition, oh, my design system is done, right? I think the most important output of a design system is really the design itself. Actually, right? It's usually about br- bridging the gap around the design intent, and I think mm-hmm. that's the goal yeah. because the design system should inevitably go across all customer touch points. So marketing, branding, a component, you know, product, like that's where your design system, if done correctly, is going to be used, mm-hmm. not just at the UI level. That's yeah. when you That's when you know your design system is very powerful and very well executed because all customer touch points are consistent. They're cohesive, same tone mm-hmm. of voice. They're attacking it from the same way.
0: Now, why is that considered a design system, but not design language?
1: To me, a design language is more of the feeling you're trying to sell. Not, it's not like the component level. The the it's language. Branding.
0: Like it involves branding.
1: Brand branding is part of the design language, but it's not like the design language sort of supersedes everything. My point of view, it's like that's that's the brand ethos. That's the okay. so to so me, we, that's like my yeah. language part of how I perceive. Mm-hmm all these things and branding well it's like the logo logo usage colors fonts typography like how motion is going to be played into this like all that it's all like it's all a big puzzle piece that all fit together obviously but if we break them out individually they're going to so, be a bit differently
0: so would you say that like the design language is like the puzzle itself you and then like the puzzle pieces are like for example, many of them can be part of the design system. Mm-hmm. Many of them can be part of the marketing system. I guess there's are systems that are oriented around solving problems through a certain intent that mm-hmm. already have solutions behind them. So you don't have to reinvent the solution every time. We should, right? I think it's... We we We, we, sorry, we, we should reinvent the solution every time? Or... No, 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 no,
1: no, no. Yeah, we should. You're right. It's like that, okay. That's how we should approach it or think okay. it. Because <laughs> I think it's a lot of people... And it, it kind of ties back to, you know, we were saying what they are, what they are not. I don't think they're really popular now because a lot of people see it as efficient, speed to market, delivery consistency. But the majority of reasons, like people don't use them correctly or they, they, like,
0: why, why don't they use them correctly?
1: I think, I think, unfortunately, not unfortunately designers are creative. They always want to be creative. So when they see something out of the design system, sometimes they're going to say, well, that doesn't work for me. I'm going to do it this way.
0: Okay. So So I'm I'm going to pin you right there and and kind of hold hold the rest of the thought. So you're kind of implying that a design system has constraints, right? And that many designers feel that they don't want to work in those constraints and that they can kind of adjust their designs to be more original and not reusable from the design system. And you're saying that that's something that's a problem and they're not using it correctly, right?
1: I think it's a problem, but it's also a problem that comes with a design system. You, okay. you need to understand, like there's disadvantages and advantages, right? I mean, depending on the size of the company, you can't continuously reinvent the wheel for every UX problem you face. You got to re like depending again, on the side of the company, enterprise or not, I think there's going to be pros and cons for both. I think one of the problems people usually have is they don't cross-pollinate or try to see what somebody else inside their own product, I'm not even going to know numerous products, just (laughs) inside their own product space, they're not going to ask if somebody's already solved that same problem before. They're going to go in their own bubble or silo and just continuously reinvent the wheel. So inside the same product, what often happens is you have three mental model approaches on how to do the same solution because people are not talking. Like that's one of the big problems I'm seeing. Even if they're using a design system, they're going to create like a flow, which somebody else already created in the same product, but they're going to approach it differently. So it's not the design system's fault per se, but it's more of a communicational, communicational aspect of things. Often that is the barrier. To entry and people often blame the system stand it's limiting. It is. I mean, don't get me wrong, especially people that are like more purist say, like in from a design point of view, a design system can feel like it's a stop, right? It's it can't be more creative than what it is. But if you approach it from if you're working in enterprise software, you can't reinvent the wheel every time because you got to think of your end users. Your end users may be bought just bought your products they're going to like, they've just made a commitment for five years and they have end users. They can't relearn the product every time. So I think there's, you got to think about it a bit more up instead of if you're just building one app. I think there's like differences of enterprise to app, to smaller scale, to web design. I think that's where the advantages and disadvantages could easily come.
0: And yeah, so I think, really cool aspect you highlighted was that it's kind of like almost like an overview. You have to step back and kind of see like, like a bird's eye view of yes. all the other things that are happening in the same kind of space, not necessarily the same, you know, discourse that you're having with the customers, but the same kind of solutions that you're applying. You know, mm-hmm. if you see someone else has a, a, a uh, something that you and I worked on very closely, data tables or tables, right? So many people know this from other products, but you know, some products have these things called tables where you have a, a bunch of rows of, of, of data and you can filter them, you can kind of sort them, organize them, you know, you can kind of, you know, select things, delete them, yeah. highlight text, you know, drill down, whatever. You and I worked on kind of leading the effort with Marion, of course, mm-hmm. who, you know, we all kind of worked together on how can we bridge the gaps between our products and how somebody interacts with this type of component. And within our product, you know, Watson Studio, we had a bajillion ways tables were being used, Mm -hmm. let alone the other parts of, you know, the department and how all of us should then kind of collide together and say, all right, so so when you, you know, interact with the table this way, it does this thing. And this rule is what we should use. And let's debate why we should use this rule over this rule. And then once we have a conclusion, we can then help, you know, create guidance, tell the developers how it should be, you know, interacted with by the user side. And then we have that conversation with them, make sure everything's okay, and then they mm-hmm. end up shipping that, and we all adopt it, right? Yeah. So I think that it it you know without it, a lot of chaos ensues, a lot of time gets wasted, a lot of money gets spent on solving things that are already solved, or you know could ultimately impact the bottom line of of a, a major company or in, in, in even a, a small startup. Good. You know, so. I want to go quickly into those kind of pieces and then we'll dive into kind of like why it's really becoming a a, a now like a big thing in in like design, design industry. It's like almost like trendy to be, you know, doing a design system. So, you know, if you're not using a design system, it can be detrimental in many ways. Number one, like I mentioned before, time, right? If you're spending time building a solution that's already been built in that company, you're wasting development time and you're wasting designer time and even you know product management time too, figuring out how to roadmap and scale these kind of things into production. And that causes a lot of other issues like, for example, spending more money. You, you pay these people to do you know, a, a, a task and then in the day, if that task has already been done, what are you doing? You're kind of wasting your money and wasting your time. And it's not very efficient. Yep. But you also don't know if there is a better solution that's been tried and true that kind of solves all the intents that that experience that you're trying to implement mm-hmm. uh, requires. So if you have a button, maybe the button has, you know, a dropdown attached to it or something, or, you know, it, yeah. it opens up a modal specifically, you know, what if sometimes that experience needs to be a little bit different, mm-hmm. but it has the same basic interactions. Well, instead of building a whole new experience, just kind of add a variant to that experience yeah. and document that share that debate that right so there's so many things that a design system is actually really good for business wise and yeah. you know you can also see how it has improved the business you can actually you actually can measure the impact of a design system and i'll give you an example of that and then we'll jump over to the other thing you know we're trying to integrate one product into watson studio and what was so cool about that is you know because we help define the design system and build the components that they already needed to use the patterns in which somebody was able to interact with it and understand how to use the product before the product was ever used by them. Right. Yeah. Like without, you don't really need onboarding and kind of already know how to use it based on other products that they've used. It saved them 11 months of development time. So that actually got us to market faster, right? Mm-hmm. Got the, got that product into the market faster, integrated into the same system that we're all using and save the devs a bunch of time, right? Then now more people can use the product, but also it wasn't that much of a big deal to actually implement the product. They had all the things built for them. They had all the solutions you- that, you know, 50% of the solutions are already pre-made for them. So it does actually work, and you can measure this in, in your own companies. But let's jump into why do you think this is becoming so prominent in our in our industry?
1: I think it's like, from what I'm seeing and from what I've, like, our previous work mm-hmm. after IBM where you and I re got a chance to work together again. From me consulting with like ex-colleagues of mine that I'm helping them in their startup or with a, a bigger company where they're trying to merge everything. I think people see this as the trend. It's like it's gonna speed up design. It's gonna be more efficient. It's gonna I'm I think it's about, you know, trying to be Speed to market. I think that's definitely a thing that people see. They see okay. it's like less time coding, less time designing, less time we can work on bigger problems. That's, I think, what's been sold. I think that's why it, within Figma, they have like these Figma tokens. They have everything, right? That, it, Like I said, design systems we can spend like weeks on because it's so wide. But I think that's my point of view as to why people are going, should everybody do it? No that honestly, like if you have seven products that have seven individual brands, forcing it may actually cost more than keeping seven different design systems and moving forward with it mm-hmm. and slowly chipping away at it. I think people are trying to force things that don't necessarily go together unfortunately and so
0: so so some some companies are just doing it because other companies are doing it, but they're not considering their specific needs or at least figuring out how best to solve it for their company?
1: I, I think so. And like, I've had conversations where with an ex-colleague of mine, I'm trying to help her get, you know, design systems rolling forward, trying to digest and dissect what the VP is trying to tell in that point of view. And I'm not saying that's going to be the solution or not, but it seems like hmm. I don't, necessarily see that it has to be forced inside like it don't mm-hmm. i don't think it necessarily has to be forced within a design system they have like seven brands and seven individual brands like totally different logo different color scheme different everything they want to have one design system it's going to be hard because you have to consider one of the different tech, tech stacks like mm-hmm. code the colors the fonts and, you know, we tried to approach Well, the it, brand,
0: the brand of each product, right?
1: The brand, exactly. And I know tokens can help, but at the same time. Or can,
0: you, can you explain a little bit what tokens are?
1: Well, yeah, it's a good point. I, I mean, tokens are, it's basically like a coded, and I'm not a developer, so I'm going to try ex- to make it as simple as I can. But it's basically, it's this coded value that you can say like button primary as the name of it. And just by changing the X code value of it, you could automatically pick up. Okay, how can I frame it? No, okay. you frame it. Let back. me
0: let me try. It's the most basic element in a design system: a token, yeah. right? It's interchangeable. It can be. It, it, it can no longer be manipulated from a a kind of hierarchical perspective. It is. You
1: should not. You it can you be. Sh-
0: well, you should not. Which is why it's, I would say it cannot because. If you do manipulate it, then you're just adding more to the design system. Is yes. actually not the system; it's just creating a bunch of options as mm-hmm. opposed to variants. And I'll get to that in a second. But I think it's it's at the core of it. It's it's the most basic value that you can apply to something from the perspective of a key piece of graphic design. So there's icons, type, spacing, mm-hmm. color, and there's many more. Other companies might even up come up with, and I'm sure you can come up with a hundred more. But they're the most basic things that are the building blocks for everything else. So you can com- com- you know, have combinations of them to create other elements. And this is then goes into this idea of the atomic design structure, right? Yeah. So it starts off with these you know, atoms, which are the tokens. And the tokens are like the defining yep. things that build everything up. So type, you have like you know, a, a word. But you, if you wanted to make it into a button, then you add a container around it, right? So that's a mm-hmm. color. Right or gradient, whatever you know, whatever era of design you live in. So if you know it's it has those two elements, then you have a new thing called a component, which is a, is built on top of atoms or tokens. Mm-hmm. So that that's what I would describe tokens to be, and then it kind of builds up from there. you can say that you know this, this it goes from atoms to to what is it molecules like like buttons and and inputs to then like components which are a little bit more complex to whatever, whatever, whatever. But generally, there's just like a base level and then there's a combination of those base levels.
1: Okay, let's stick with your definition. (laughs) But I'd like to add too, is that when using tokens across the board, if a company decides to change the brand color of primary from yellow to purple, I don't know why they would make that big change. But anyways, it would be adopted Mm -hmm. across the board. If everybody uses tokens correctly, and I say correctly because- oftentimes developers are going to override the token Mm -hmm. if they do it correctly everybody's going to consume the changes for free Mm -hmm. oftentimes right i'm not gonna
0: say i've never seen actually huge changes take place just out of my own experience i've never seen like you've you've actually used it for that i I know that's the perp like one purpose of them but i've never seen take place because they always end up just starting from scratch again. Yes, that's I know. just a, a note that I've a, a weird thing I've noticed. Like
1: I think we haven't been through the change after tokens have been implemented.
0: No, I've seen. Well, okay, so I, I've seen people change tokens, but it's never like a a huge reason to change it from blue to purple like that. I don't think that will ever happen. Generally, could, but generally, When you say when that you... if
1: you think of like within your product, if you went from light to dark. That was token changing.
0: I guess when I what I'm saying is like when I've seen it happen, it's like they used the wrong blue instead of like you know whatever yeah. the, the 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 hex code is for like the color. They missed it by like one number, so it's like just like a weird glitch. It's a bug more than anything. That's that's usually what I've seen them be used for to adjust the bugs as opposed to actually changing the whole experience. Now, what's cool about it, I think, from more of a development perspective, is that yes. I guess that would be more applicable to the development, where you are changing a token and then act, like, for example, the font, right? So if you change a heading of one of the mm-hmm. tokens to a new yeah. font, yes. So I, I've seen that happen before from Helvetica to Plex, you know, at IBM. Mm-hmm. Those are two different typefaces for those who aren't listening, or who are listening but who don't know. But you know, I've never seen them go from a, like, a wildly different experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you're right. Maybe it's because we haven't gone through a change like that significant. Maybe IBM next year is going to say, you know what, we're going to brand ourselves as Red Hat and then just use everything red and then change all the blues to red. You know, I don't think it'll happen, but theoretically it can happen. I just never seen it on the design side. Now, on the development side, it happens every year, right? That change yeah. constantly happens. They have to figure out how to maintain, swap those things out, and they have other you know, web frameworks that allow them to do that more easily. But I don't think it's actually very easy ever for development. You know, mm-hmm. I feel bad for developers that, you know, we can't just be the ones that plug into the things that they've set and then just kind of adjust it for, for them instead of them doing it themselves. And maybe there's a tool in the future that lets us do that. But as of now, there's I've never seen a designer have to go through and swap out the basics of a t- token, which is what they could be do- doing. You know, per- that's what, one of the purposes for them. But I just wanted mm-hmm. to say that that was, that was my point of disagreement.
1: <laughs> no, no, and it, it it's great perspective, and I think that's why. I mean, we've had the chance to work with numerous de- design systems, et cetera, and that's why like it's such mm-hmm. a long topic to cover, and like this is high level topic that we're we're covering. I think we're going to be able to dive in a bit deeper in like guilds and contribution and mm-hmm. things like that in other episodes.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I, I'd like to like, what's your point on? Do you consider like design systems mandatory? Do you, think, do you think we'll get to a point where design, like everybody should be using a design system, regard, small or big or not? Like what's your two cents on this?
0: I think that it depends on what your goal is, not just your intent. Your intent is to design something that, it, it, that makes sense for users to use, that's easy to use, that's consistent, blah, 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 blah. That's pretty much basic levels of intent that are just generally good for good design right like you don't have the basic principles of design usability Mm -hmm. consistency discoverability whatever then you're kind of making it harder for your experience to grow Mm -hmm. but also for people to experience it correctly and and to its full potential so that's number one i said goal right and i kind of I'm defining intent as like the pre- precursor to, to what you're doing as like just yes. a general understanding. But the goal that you are optionally setting, I think it depends because if you're a startup and like I know a startup and they're trying to build a product, but this product building, you know, they were already given a broken design system and they're just kind mm-hmm. of using the components in it without actually using any guides. There's no guidance written in it. So it's not really a design system. It's just like a spec sheet. They need to create some consistency to make it easy for somebody to understand across the board. So I'd recommend maybe there be like a soft design system. So maybe Mm -hmm. that is like the spec sheet. At least you have some degree of consistency. And not consistency for the sake of consistency, consistency for the sake of users understanding how to use something the same way everywhere that that thing is being propagated. Otherwise, you kind of change it to, to adjust to the context. And I wrote an article about this, and we can actually post that in the, the description later. We'll also talk about that in another episode, I think, mm-hmm. But it, during our contribution model you know, episode mm-hmm. or whatever. But I do think that every team should have a design system. It's just how can that be easy enough to not invest a lot of time in for the goal you have set? Or is it is the goal really that you need to have a lot of time in yeah. it to, you know... Let me rephrase that. It depends on on the goal, though, in in the end, because if you're trying to rush to build something fast, then you're not going to have enough time to document and then build out the design system. But if you also have a lot of time and you're moving a little bit slower and you actually are trying to create a structural change that then will propel a business or startup or an app forward, then it would be to your advantage to invest time in, in the design system. So I would say the answer is yes, but it determines how much investment you want to put into it and how big you want it to be. So just like a soft design system toward like a really in-depth, detailed, you know, a lot of guidance and a lot of examples and code and whatever version of that would be.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think the goal is important and the size of what you're trying to build is important as well because the Figma component library can be enough for what you're mm-hmm. trying to achieve, right? If you're yep. enterprise obviously is not because you need it includes so many designers, so many v- variables, so many rules and whatnot. So I think mm-hmm. it's different. So I agree on that point. I think I think they're going to evolve. I think I almost kind of see like my future point of it is going to become multidisciplinary. It won't just be based on the product designer, or the, the UI designer. I think it's something that could potentially scale, right? It won't just be like digital product designers or developers, I kind of see things shifting a bit into like marketing, org designers, industrial designers, and so on. So that it becomes this way of thinking. And like, if you start to systemize elements, what can be repeated? What can be, so I think a systems design is going to be a bit broader than just Mm -hmm. pixel work at one point. I think if we do it right, but it's always going to be with the intent. Is it always going to be easy? No, because it involves so many people. I think the right stakeholders need to be involved. I think like the the goals and, and it's just it's such a hard thing to sell. And if the people are not aligned on it, it it won't we won't succeed. Like oftentimes like it it's hard to to get a design system at scale in if the right people are not involved.
0: I want to touch on that point real quick, but before that, I'll actually push back a little bit on what you said about, you know, it's going to infiltrate other areas that are not digital design oriented, like architecture, for example. I think that that's already, I think it's actually where we get it from. Because if you think about how architectures probably plan out the the structure of something, they have to know how much they need, how much like materials they need and what they can do to reuse it so they don't have to create more production, I guess, differentiations of elements. So they don't, you know, if they have like metal are they going to cut the pieces into the multiple sizes and and widths, you know, heights and whatever, or are they going to cut them to as many of the same sizes as possible to to save on money, save on time, that you know you don't have to reorient the machinery? So I think that other disciplines actually already had this. We're we're pulling it from the the past of that production line a little bit, and I think that's something that we'll eventually need to address. Is like okay, now that we have this beautiful production that executes something really well how do we allow it to thrive and grow and not just be stale and 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 kind of fade over time because i know we mentioned before in in the beginning of this episode about creativity and how somebody can add to it but also try new things not just you know slightly modify something sometimes you have to reinvent some some aspects like apple does this every every year or so they'll have like a paradigm for how something works but then they'll reinvent how they can do it better and they'll start with one app and then that app will then trickle that experience across the board to other apps like for example the swiping from the left to to right to kind of moving the page over instead of clicking the back button you know that was implemented in in in, you know one of the operating system updates and then that infiltrated all the other experiences because it was already built into the code which then you know luckily was able to just be put everywhere but other things might be a little different like how things slide into the screen, yep. modal slide, slide in, and then that had to be built in differently for every other app that might have actually not used it very well. So I don't actually remember the, the second question you had to that before I went on that weird long rant. No, but
1: it, it I agree with what you just said. And it, it's almost when it's done correctly and intentionally, it's frictionless because people don't realize Apple does use a system. Right? I think they, they do it in a way that it's so frictionless, we don't even notice it.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and i think that to be honest their sketch kit that they help you know i think sketch and and, and apple worked on a kit together that's kind of you yeah. know it's one of the templates part of it part of the the app and i think that they'll eventually work on a figma one or whatever i don't think that they currently have one for figma which are for those that are listening or don't know sketch and figma are both tools that we use in our daily work and i think that the apple one is so complex and so confusing their designs or their spec system really inside sketch that I I actually don't like using it. I'd rather just use wireframes and then when time comes just run it at at build time and then see what it looks like and then just kind of adjust it and then go with it from there. I've never actually been able to successfully work on the intricacies of a multi-mobile operating uh, design system. I've only focused mostly on the web and desktop versions of a design system. But I do have, you know, you and I have I think there's agreements on, on a little bit on how those should kind of play out as well. But I don't know if we want to get into that right now or get into not another way episode. too complex. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, like, they, I know they
1: updated their interface guidelines, like Apple, and it's really thorough. The thing I don't like about it, there's not enough images. Like, it's so text-heavy.
0: Yeah, like, I new- actually don't think it's thorough at all because of the images. I think that the no, images, But what I mean is, like,
1: it's, it's really... Yeah super text heavy and yeah i'd yeah. love for it to be okay show me like what do you mm-hmm. i read yeah. it but can you show me visually what what you're talking about and i think that's something that i dislike about the new system and the updated version of it
0: when that new one got released i think last year or you think the year before that maybe or maybe it was this year no it was, it was definitely yeah. last year could be wrong i saw so many designers online simping for the people who were creating it and like you know tweeting at them, oh my god love the design system like great work like yeah sure okay like you should you know give credit where due and i think yeah. that there's a lot of really great written content but i cannot find anything quickly i have to mm-hmm. read an entire page just to understand one sentence no yeah. that's ridiculous i should be able to scan it quickly i think it's one problem with it. if you're not able to quickly scan a design system and get go in and you know get out what when you what do you need then it's not a very successful design system. And their human interface guidelines are even beyond a design system. They're really about human interaction with technology. Yeah. And the fact that they don't have images and yet all their keynotes have just they're plaster with images. There's like no text on the screen, right? And they're such, such a, a visual
1: company. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I don't get. It feels like the system doesn't connect with anything else that they do.
0: It, it's so bizarre. It, they it almost was like they outsourced it. But I know they didn't. I don't. I don't think they outsourced it. I think they definitely kept it in in in, com- in company. Where but... does the
1: orange come from?
0: The orange. What
1: orange? And the, the design system, like on the the human guidelines.
0: Oh, oh, you mean like the Apple Watch orange?
1: No, it's like don't they have like an orange in there where the like the yeah. So so Apple so, so,
0: Apple, so the Apple Watch uses a so on the button on the side the hardware and also like some of the software. Use used a color called international orange, which they used for the Apple watch. And then they added it to the system, I guess, because the Apple watch is now being like the, the new one, the like pro yeah. version of whatever you call it. That one is actually used for extreme sports and extreme kind of like, like situations like deep diving and, and you know, climbing mountains and stuff. So they used it to kind of create the sense of like, this is more of a utility for your yeah. safety and, and whatever. And, and it's kind of, it's kind of like a cool, like, branding a- aspect that they yep. added to it and I, I i like how they kind of went with it although i don't love the color orange itself but i the sentiment of it being international orange i think was a a better move to go with that than picking their own orange i think it was just a much smarter choice because they like have this whole story behind it and that kind of tells more about the product than just like arbitrary design decisions because they had a story that was linking it's like oh this actually is like coming from like the nasa like the space shuttle has like international orange that's why it's international right it's like you know whatever everyone around the world uses this type of orange for like cool things whatever like the special use cases for it so they use it for it but other than that particular instance every other decision is hidden behind a wall of text in their yes. guidelines and their guidelines used to be very example heavy with visual mm-hmm. you know mockups of the iphone stuff and I remember the very first one that I got to see of the iPhone, Human Interface Guidelines, for those who don't know what HIG stands for, Human Interface Guidelines, they're defined usually by Apple. And then usually copies them because no one's doing the research that they're doing, except, you know, the big four companies, right? You know, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, whatever. They come up with their own guidelines because they have a lot of research backing it too. And you don't have to have like a lot of like sciencey people in like a room with like white coats testing humans how... You know, how big is their finger touch when it touches the screen, you know, which, which is 44 points, by the way, for yep. those who don't know, Apple, you know, kind of announced that it, it's it's funny because, you know, you and I work on design systems. We use testing that we get to do every day through interviews, through hearing feedback from users and kind of changing things and kind of putting it out there and seeing mm-hmm. how they feel. And, you know, you know, having that kind of testing be conducted, whereas a lot of other companies that, are, that have a lot of more money and a lot more resources like Apple. They actually have devices that are built for testing specific things like how big is the touch? Like how can you calculate that size of the finger touching the screen? Because it's not the full finger. It's just kind of the touch of the the little bit of the skin, but it's not one dot, right? It's not one pixel. So it's, it's interesting how some come up with those solutions. But I think in the recent years, especially after iOS 7, Apple went off the deep end and they kind of went more aesthetic as opposed to... Actually, human yeah. interface, yeah. like, interaction. And and that made me really sad, especially because their products ended up getting a little bit worse in usability. And then they're, they've they gotten back up. They're going back up again. But it's not the same as when it was before. And, and, yeah, you're kind of probably doing different things. But I don't know if the trade-off was successful or not. I think that it opened up a whole new window of experiences that I think were really cool. I think we only know how to use them because other things use them, not because they're inherently easy to use. right? Like My parents still can't use some apps or websites because the interactions are just so foreign to them. And I think that's okay that the goal was to get like, the whole world onboarded to this kind of technology and then move it towards something that's a little bit more natural when you're actually using it, but you have to learn it a little bit. I, I'm not sure how to how balance that, to be honest, as, as a company like Apple.
1: No, it's good. I agree. You said I think there's there's a lot of changes that happen with all this, but I don't know why. I don't think I don't know if it's positive or not within that time frame.
0: I guess so. We'd so, have like, to... what
1: what's your final take on on it, like on systems, yay or nay?
0: My final take on design systems. Yeah, I mean, sure. What?
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, like, do you? You obviously see value in it, yeah. But should everybody use it or not? Should everybody should? You know, okay, let me. I try. think
0: everyone. I think everyone should be considerate about how they're designing and how that plays into a greater system that mm-hmm. can scale and grow, but at the right time.
1: Yes, I think my point. Yeah, I might. I think it's it's pissing the right, choosing the right opportunity to inject it or use it because I think sometimes. You can fake it until you make it in a sense that you can colorize everything to look the same, behave the same, doesn't have to consume the code right away. I think there's advantages and disadvantages of doing that. But I think it's to your point, it's all about the end goal. I think that's the, like, that's what I want to end with on this is I think you should, all of these questions about systems or not, like what's the end goal out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think consistency is super important because obviously cognitive load for users and things like that, when they're navigating your product, they shouldn't have to relearn every page. If they're using the same element or the same patterns, I think those are things that need to be taken into consideration, but there's also costs. Sometimes it costs too much to go back and update the old code. Mm -hmm. It's better off to just implement a design system in the new pages or net new designs as you move forward and retrofit as you start changing previous designs. So, Yeah, I think there's many advantages to it, especially when you're designing at scale, especially for enterprise. I think for small companies, I don't know. I think there's sometimes Figma could be okay.
0: Agreed. We agree (laughs) on something. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I think that that's a good wrap up for episode eight on design systems. And then I I guess in the future, we'll have a lot more episodes on design systems because that's like. There's actually podcasts that are dedicated just to design systems. So I, know. I think that it's it's enormous, and it's, we're just scratching the surface here. And and I think that we'll have a lot more to say soon.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think just the fact that we were able to at IBM design at that scale and velocity, I think there's a lot we've learned, and I think there's a lot that we can share on that point.
0: Heck yeah, cool. Awesome. All right, thanks, man.
1: Peace.